Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of James, the New Testament book of James and James chapter 1. We are just starting this brand new Sunday school series of the book of James. Remember, the book of James is the book of wisdom for the New Testament, and we definitely need (laughs) wisdom in dealing with the world around us. In the book of James in chapter number one, the last time we had gone through Sunday school, we had introduced you to the pastor of the church, of the church of Jerusalem, that James, who was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we come to James chapter one. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of James chapter one, notice with me in verse number two. James chapter one and verse two. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given to him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a very powerful phrase that we find in the book of James in chapter number one? The book of James chapter number one, and notice with me in verse number four, where it speaks about, let patience have her perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work. And with this, as we examine the book of James chapter one, that we can see this perfect work of patience. Let patience have her perfect work. Now, the real issue inside of the Christian life is the Christian life, that we must make Christ the goal of the Christian life. Just like we talk about salvation, that people cannot be saved without Christ, the same thing's true about the Christian life. You cannot live the Christian life without Christ. You must have him as the goal. You must have him as the purpose. You must have him as your source that we cannot live the Christian life outside of Christ. Now, this is a big deal because today we live in a world that wants to be updated. <laughs> Several years ago, there was a great emphasis of becoming a 21st century church. And the idea of becoming a 21st century church is that we need to find a way to meet the needs and the wants and the desires of the people. So much so that many churches sent out uh, little surveys throughout the community and said, what are you looking for in a church? What are you trying to desire? What type of things do you want to see? And so it became a big deal where they would seek what they people wanted and try to design a church program to meet the desires of the people. 
But the problem is, is that when you try to meet the men's desires outside of Christ, that Christ does not become honored. It becomes a man-centered ministry instead of a God-centered ministry. In fact, we need to have a revolution back to the Bible and have a desire to become a first century Christian, become the type of Christian that God had designed and ordered us to live in the first place. And so the book of James is going to speak about this. Remember the context of the book of James. The the book of James is the first book of the New Testament that was written. And what had happened is that there was only one major church at this time, the church of Jerusalem. And many of the people who were saved came from Judaism. And in Judaism, they had been taught all of their life that in order to be saved, you have to do this and you have to do this. In order to be right with God, you have to do this with this. And it became such a checklist and a bondage that people said, there's no way I could live this. By the way, that was the whole point. The whole point of the Ten Commandments is not for us to live a holy life. It's to point out that we can't live a holy life. Next to the Ten Commandments, you should write in big box card, bold letters, I need Jesus. The Bible explains that the Ten Commandments is our schoolmaster. It teaches us where we fail. Now, of course, we want to live right with the Lord, but we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The book of James is covering a time where the people came from Judaism and once they got saved, they felt the freedom, the liberty. Listen, I don't have to do all these things in order to go to heaven. Praise the Lord, that's true. But they would take it a step too far. Since I don't have to do all these things to go to, go to heaven, I don't have to do anything at all. And so the pastor, James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, takes pen and paper and says, no, 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 no. Listen. We're not saved because of our works. However, we will work because we are saved. You see, I don't serve God in order to get something from him. I don't serve God in order to get his salvation. I don't serve God in order to get his favor. I don't serve God in order to to get my wishes to come true. I serve God because of what he's already done for me. That's the whole point of the book of James is that it's because of God. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. The goal is to seek after him. And if I seek after him, I will automatically do the things that I ought to do. I don't need a checklist. I just need to follow after Christ. And the idea is, is to keep my eyes on Lord, to ask for him, to seek after him, to go after him, to follow after him. That God is not trying to put a weight checklist on us, but he is trying to get us just to simply follow after him. And as I follow after him, I will do the things that I ought to do. And so we now come to the book of James chapter number one. And we begin to see this introduction begin to be made. This idea that of our personal life of what God is trying to do. And that our part is to let patience have her perfect work. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just examine this. So the first thing I'd like to show you here is let patience have her perfect work. The word patience is a very interesting word. It actually comes from two words which carries the idea to abide under. To abide under. We could say it this way, to willingly submit ourselves under authority. To let patience have her perfect work. What do we mean by this? That we understand that God is always at work and God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. 
And we can submit ourselves under his authority and allow God to do what he needs to do to make us the men and women that, of God that we ought to be. We can trust him. Let God do his work. What do we mean by this? Well, we know the character of God, that God doesn't get bored. So you know what? I need to pick on someone today. Who am I going to pick on? I need, I just, I feel like being mean to someone. Who, who can I be mean to? God doesn't do that. Everything that God does is with purpose and with plan. God knows what it takes to make you the person that God desires to be. And he knows exactly what it takes for me to be the person he desires to do. He knows how to work and to whittle. He knows how to do his own work. We just have to allow him to do so. All throughout the Bible, we see this, this idea, whether it's Jeremiah and the potter and the clay. Remember, we just recently went over that, that God is the potter and we're the clay. And our job as the clay is to allow the potter to do his work, to make us the vessel we ought to be. And remember that Jeremiah was watching the pot potter and it got marred. The clay was marred. There was some hard spot that was in it, it caused the whole thing to collapse. And that the clay is just supposed to let God do its work. The clay can't say, listen, I want to do my own thing and kind of jerk out of the way or fight against it. Then the pot's not going to be exactly what the potter wanted to be. Let patience have her perfect work. Notice as we're in the book of James chapter number two. <laughs> chapter one, chapter one, sorry, in verse number <laughs> four again. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. That phrase perfect and entire, that's the idea of perfect means it's complete, it's whole. That's what God wants to be us to be spiritually mature. His goal is to work and as he works, let patience have her perfect work. He is trying to make us complete trying to make us whole, trying to fix the missing spots to try to fill them in. He is trying to do a work. And how does God primarily work? Now here's something good. You may not like it. How does God primarily work? Through biblical authority. God works through biblical authority. May I show you this? Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. If you're in the book of James right now, just turn over to the next book, the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter in chapter number 5. Notice God gives some of these instructions here. 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice with me in verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise ye younger. Now when it says likewise we have to see what it's there for. The context it's talking about Jesus Christ being the chief shepherd. That he is working that he's going because of who Christ is. Because of who God is. Likewise ye younger submit yourself to the elder. Yea all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. We're going to continue on in just a second. But notice this. We'll see this phrase over and over. God resisteth the proud. Now we've done this illustration before. Let's do it again. Zeb, come here. All right. So oftentimes when we're trying to do things our own way, I can do this in my own strength, my own power. That what happens is that he's using a lot of strength. Now, as he's trying to go this way, I have to put more force this way to keep him in place. 
He's being resisted. And he could put a lot of effort and a lot of work. He's getting too strong for me. But he's getting a lot of effort to try to go this way. And because he's not making any ground, it becomes wasted effort. That's trying to do it your own self. It says, God resisteth the proud. But notice this. He giveth grace to the humble. That when he says, Lord, I'm going to allow you to do this. Then it's like God taking them behind and giving them the push. Now it's less effort that is wasted, more that's getting accomplished because he's letting God do his own work. Thank you. This is this idea here. Let patience have her perfect work. We can always get in a little spiritual fit that whenever things aren't going our way, I don't want to go through this. This isn't right. Pastor told me to read my Bible. And we could do all of that all day and say, listen, I'm going to prove pastor wrong. I'm going to be a good Christian without reading my Bible. I mean, you could certainly try, but you are not going to get very far. God works through biblical authority. God uses biblical authority to help direct our path, to help give us wisdom, to help show us what the next step is. And he uses that biblical authority. And we could either submit to God or we think we have a better plan. We either submit to God or we have a better idea of how to do it, which is always going to be wrong. And we get frustrated because I'm doing everything I can for the Lord. and It's not working. That's because it's you that's doing it. Let patience have her perfect work. Notice as we're still in 1 Peter chapter 5. Notice with me as it continues on in verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore. So because God resisted the proud but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Let patience have her perfect work. Let her do her perfect work. Verse 6, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Let patience have her perfect work. I can trust God. I can put my care upon him. I can let him do what he's going to do knowing he's got my best interest in heart. Because he cares for me, I can let God be God in my life. Verse 8, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion walking about, seeking who he may devour. The word devour is a very interesting word. It means to make disappear. And you know what God or Satan wants to do? He wants to make things disappear until you finally disappear. He wants to make it so your Wednesday night attendance in church disappears. He wants to make it so your Sunday night church attendance disappears. He wants to make it so your Sunday school attendance disappears. He wants to make it so your prayer life disappears. He wants to make it so your Bible reading disappears until you disappear altogether from God's work and God's church. We always look around, where's where so-and-so? They were here all the time. Well, Satan began to devour things in their life because they weren't putting their trust in God. They weren't depending that Satan started eating things away at their life until they disappeared. They're no longer here. They're gone. That's Satan's goal. And so notice this. In the same context of submitting to authority and humbling ourselves, we have the warning, be sober, be diligent, uh, vi- vigilant. There we go. Whatever word it is. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to make things disappear. Let 
patience have her perfect work. Verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What is it saying? God's still working on everyone. Amen. And let patience have her perfect work. Verse 10. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. What is God trying to do when we allow patience to have her perfect work? The end result is to be perfect, meaning complete or whole. The goal is to be established. That carries the idea that we have a firm foundation that we are settled on. Strengthened. Now we're strengthened in what God has given us to do and settled. That's what God's goal is to do. But we have to allow patience to have her perfect work. God is always at work. And he's at work at you. And we could either fight him on it or we could put ourselves under his authority. That's what the idea of patience is to abide under, to put under the authority of, to allow God to do his work. I can trust God to do something in my life. I may not understand what he is doing, but God is working. And I can allow him to do his work. Let patience have her perfect work. Turn it back with me to the book of James. And notice with me in James chapter 1 and verse number 2. So we're talking about let patience have a perfect work. How, let's get more practical now. As we're allowing patience to have his perfect work, we know that not all things are fun. Having a flat tire in the morning when you need to get to work is not fun. (laughs) Waking up in the morning and snap crackling and popping are not necessarily fun. But notice what it says in James chapter 1 and verse number 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When things start happening to you, count it all joy. Rejoice in all things. This is a commandment. How do I know that I'm letting God do his work? Can you thank God for him? Can you praise the Lord for flat tire? Can you praise the Lord for the snap, crackle, pops? Can you trust God that he knows what he's doing? If you can, it's going to be evidenced by you rejoicing in it. God knows what he is doing. May I show you a couple different passages that repeat the same theme? Now, again, this is repeated all throughout the Bible. That's why we could easily hit some of these other books that say the same exact thing. Hold your finger here and turn back to me to 1 Peter. We were just there. First Peter is going to repeat the same things just years later. First Peter chapter number four. First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter four and verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Well, it doesn't feel like I should be happy. Happy are ye. Happy are ye. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. And on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. May I remind you that God's intention is not for our endurance, but for his glory. You might live through a trial 
and a lot of hurts along the way. But the real question is, is was God glorified? Well, how is God glorified? Well, when we can praise his name through it. God is still good and God is still right. Well, listen, I'm in the hospital. God is still good and God is still right. Hey, I got a bill in the, in the mail that I wasn't expecting. God is still good. God is still right. We should be able to count it all joy. You know, there was no one in the Bible that was more falsely accused and abused than the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's let him be our example. Look with me in Hebrews chapter number 12. So if you were in the book of James, so 1 Peter, James, Hebrews, Hebrews 12. <laughs> let's see that if Jesus followed the same pattern. We know that for Jesus Christ, there was no man who was abused and misaligned like him. He was put on a cruel cross. He was mocked and scourged. And what was worse, he was innocent. Notice with me the reaction of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And notice with me in verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2. Notice what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down for the right hand of the throne of God. God, Jesus, was still able to go to the cross with joy. Now, we've defined joy. Let's redefine it. Joy is not happiness and a stupid grin on your face. Joy is a peace that passeth all understanding. It's a peace because we trust God knows what he's doing. Was Jesus able to trust that God know what he was doing? Yes, absolutely. The end result is that the salvation of all the world. He was able to go, listen, I can endure the shame. I can endure the cross because I know on the other side, God knows what he's doing. Jesus is the example of this. That we could count it all joy. What a powerful statement. How do I know that I'm allowing patience to have a perfect work? Can you praise the Lord? Many of you have heard me say to you, can you sing? Now, it's not the idea, can I sing so I can distract myself? It's can you sing out of true praise to God? Can you count it all joy? Let patience have her perfect work. Turn back with me, if you don't mind, to the book of James. And let's understand some more. The book of James, chapter number one and verse number two again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but patience, but let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting in nothing. Now remember, the whole book of James, as I said before, was the idea of trying to tell the people how to live as a Christian, behaving as a first century Christian, that we're serving God, not in order to get something from him, but because of whom he is. And that belief affects behavior. That if we're going to let patients have our own perfect work, there's also going to show up in our behavior and how we live our lives. Because if the goal is to glorify God, it's going to be evidenced in how we carry ourselves. Can you praise the Lord? You understand that everyone around you, like it or not, you live in a fishbowl. People watch 
how you react. They know if you're having a bad day, meaning bad events happening to you, and they're watching to see how you are going to respond to it. If you respond like everyone else, well then your faith isn't different. Remember, people are not looking for something the same. They're looking for something that's different. And the difference makes the difference. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're having a bad day and you're hurting physically, you're hurting emotionally, you're hurting whatever else, and you're still able to say, listen, God's still good, God's still right. They scratch their head and say, what's up with this? I know how bad of a day you're, I've seen the things going on. And you're still able to say God's still good and God's still right? You see, people are tired of hearing about Christians. They want to meet one. They want to see what they look like, what they smell like, what they taste like. They want to see some Christian who actually lives like a Christian. And the test of it is not when you're having a good day. It's when you're having a bad day. Why did I come to know the Lord? Because I met a Christian who truly lived like a Christian. I saw them going through hard times. I'm going through difficult times and they were still able to praise God. If you could forgive the personal illustration. Um, I was a medic back in a previous life. Um, <laughs> I was a laboratory technician and right after the military, I kind of switched and was doing more phlebotomy, meaning that we're the people who stab people for a living. It was great and draw blood. And uh, we were in Phoenix. In Phoenix, we have 250 retirement homes, nursing homes in the city. That's a lot. And so instead of taking the older people and bring them to clinics, they would send us out to go draw their blood, to go wake them up at two o'clock in the morning, which they always appreciate it, get some blood from them and try to leave. And, and uh, we're there on the scene. And so, you know, a lot of times it's acrobatics because they're on the beds and not like hospital beds where you could raise, but, you know, regular beds and chairs and whatnot. And uh, my shift would start at two o'clock in the morning because we wanted to try to get as much blood done, get to the testing, get it tested. So by the time their doctors woke up at a normal time, they would already have some of the results and they could go ahead and treat the patients. So <clears throat> showing up at two o'clock in the morning, I had a male nurse who was a floater. He would show up at different um, uh, retirement homes that I worked on. And he made it his goal to always find me when he was working there and purposely ask, how are you doing this morning? And class, what was my always answer? I'm blessed. And it would just baffle him. How in the world can someone be happy and blessed at two o'clock in the morning? That's just not right. And it just baffled him. And he would come up to me day after day for months. How are you doing? I'm blessed. And he would just scratch his head and it just baffled him. Well, eventually there was a time where his wife thought about leaving him and he got a hold of me and said, hey, I need some help. And me and my pastor went. It was a dark and stormy night in Phoenix uh, when he came to know Christ as his savior, him and his wife together. Um, we started going through discipleship, uh, found out that he was a nurse uh, taking his patient's medicine and that needed to be taken care of. We sent him to a roll-off home and uh, now he is preaching throughout the world. He gave me permission to give his testimony and he always starts off his testimony like this. It all began with a guy at two o'clock in the morning who would always say, I'm blessed. It made an impact on him. You see, the world is watching us and seeing how we respond in hard times whether it's two o'clock in the morning. You said, well, we're talking about car accidents. You know what? If you're awake, you could manage something, but can you do it at two o'clock in the morning and still be happy? Still be 
rejoicing in the Lord? Can you do it at the end of the day when it's been hard? Can you do it when you're feeling physical pain, mental distress? Can you count it all joy? You can, not because of the pain, but because of the God who we trust. He knows what he's doing. Let patience have her perfect work. And we can count it all joy and behave as a believer and glorify God and people will respond, their God is real. Their God isn't just good on good days. Their God is real to them in the bad days. By the way, that's the whole story of Job. The whole story of Job is not why the righteous suffer. The whole story of Job is God worthy of praise when bad things happen. And Job didn't realize he was used as evidence, but that was the court case. That was the whole thing. Is God worthy of praise and glory when bad things happen? Yes, he is. God is not just worth glory and praise when we're having good days, when the bills are paid, when the sun is shining, and we have rainbows and puppy dog tails. God is good and he is right when I'm hurting, when my car doesn't start when my heater goes out, when I've got to shovel snow, God is still good and God is still right. And that should show up in how I believe and behave as a believer. Count it all joy. As we're in the book of James, one more thing here. We need to pray for wisdom. If we are going to let patience have her perfect work, We know that there's a response for us that we need to count it all joy, behave as a believer. But God didn't leave us on our own. He's left us with a way of escape. Notice with me, James chapter one and verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. God has made it so that way when we hit a temptation, when we hit something, we can always ask to God and say, God, I need your help. I need wisdom. I need you to guide me. I I just can't do it. And the wonderful thing, I love this promise because it tells us that if any of us ask God or lack wisdom, we can ask God and God will give it to us liberally, meaning that he won't be stingy on it. He'll give us wisdom. But this last phrase helps me and abradeth not. That means he's not going to yell at me. Wasn't you just here asking for it? I know I need it some more. He'll never yell at us for going back. He'll never yell at us for bothering him too much. I need more wisdom. I need more wisdom. I need more wisdom. We can go up to him for as many scoops as we need. And he'll never yell at us. Make us feel little. Why aren't you getting this? As humans, we do that. Why don't you get this? God will never do that to us. If we go up to him and say, Lord, I just don't get it. Can you help me out? I'll be glad to help you out. Lord, I still don't get it. Can you help me out? I'll be glad to help you out. I'm so glad that God is able to work that we just have to go to him. Our problem is we stop going to him. We've tried to do it ourselves. I've got this. You don't got this. You, um, two o'clock in the morning, trying to be happy and, and peace that passeth all understanding on your own, not going to happen. Most of you say, yeah, I'd fail. If you called me at two o'clock this morning on New Year's Day, no, you're not going to get a good response. As much as I may love you, pastor, no, it's no. We could depend upon God. We could trust in him. 
There is a difference in the way that a believer behaves because we trust God. Let patience have her perfect work. And the key is, is that we can talk to God at any time and pray for wisdom. We could ask God to do his work. We could trust him to do with our best interest in heart. He's not doing these things because he's bored and because he has to pick on the certain number of people to meet his quota. Everything he does is measured, planned, and intentional. We can trust him. Let patience have her perfect work. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.